You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hey guys, this is Russ and this is The Overlook. Today I'm talking to you about the kidnapping and disappearance of Monica Renee Bowie. Monica Renee Bowie is a 40-year-old African-American woman from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In 2007, she was a business owner and accountant with multiple sources of income. She was an accountant for a variety of businesses, and she owned an event planning company and a clothing boutique. Monica had a bright future in front of her. She graduated from Cheney University with her bachelor's in accounting and remained close to her family even after she moved to Atlanta in 2003. July 5, 2007, Monica started her day as she had started any other day. She met with her lawyer that day and it seemed like she was in good spirits. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. She ran a couple errands and around 11, 11, 15 p.m., Miss Bowie returned to her apartment on the 2100 block of Gables Drive in Northeast Atlanta. She exited her vehicle and was walking across her parking lot when she was abducted. A neighbor is quoted as saying, she was screaming, someone help me, I need help, help me. It was reported that these screams lasted about 30 seconds. At least five witnesses heard her screams for help, and 911 was called. The individual who called 911 was able to remember what the car looked like, what color the car was, but even more, the license plate number. The car was a maroon 2002 Mercury Sable. Inside the car were two men. They seemed to be in their late 20s to early 30s. One man was heavy set and the other had a beard. When the police arrived to the scene, they saw signs of a struggle. On the parking lot floor was two broken fingernails, a broken perfume bottle, and other drop items such as a woman's jacket, eyeglasses, a folder, and a container of wings. The very next day, the maroon 2002 Mercury Sable was found. It was burnt to a crisp, badly damaged, and obviously abandoned. Two days after Monica's kidnapping, Jasper Keels was arrested for the theft of that maroon car. The car actually belonged to an acquaintance of his. It seems Jasper asked his acquaintance if he could borrow his car on July 4th, but never returned it. While police held Keels, another potential suspect was named. His name was Lonnie Bennett. It was reported that he was seen leaving the area of Monica's apartment around the same time of the incident. He was actually soon pulled over and the police found him with a bag full of cash in his car. Police have never said the amount of money that was found, but it's insisted that it was a substantial amount of cash. And this was suspicious to police because Mr. Bennett had a pass that included narcotic charges. And this bit of information will come into play a little bit later in the case. He's never upgraded to an actual suspect. We don't really know what happens. Around the time he was arrested, we have articles mentioning his name, but that's it. You don't really find anything about him going forward after that initial time period. Now, there's a website that has amazing articles, blogs, and so forth, and they did an amazing job covering this case. It's called creativeloafing.com. 
in Creative Loathing's article about this case, it mentions that Jasper Keels, the man charged with theft of that maroon car that Monica was shoved into, well, that article was able to get a quote from Monica's lawyer saying that Shanata Walters was an acquaintance of Jasper Keels. Well, who is Shanata Walters? Shanata Walters, he's known as Rico. And Rico, that was Monica's fiance at the time of her disappearance. Now, let's go back a couple of days before Monica's kidnapping. Monica was kidnapped on July 5th, 2007. But on June 20th, 2007, Monica was actually arrested. She was arrested along with her fiance, Shanata Rico Walters. Basically, what happened was Rico had Monica's car. He was on Camelton Road when a police officer states that there was a strong odor of marijuana and he searched the car, the car in which Rico was driving. In the car, the officer found marijuana, money, and a gun. Now, according to an article by the AJC, Monica showed up to the scene upon hearing that her fiance was being arrested. She explained to the officer that this was her car. She had told him she could, he could borrow it, and she was arrested on the spot as well. Now, here's the thing. That's what that AJC article says, and that article was written around the time of her disappearance. But later in TV One's Find Our Missing episode, which was recorded a few years later, their episode says Rico was arrested and Monica was called down to the DeKalb police station to come pick up her car. So she went down there to go and pick up her car when she was arrested as well. And I say this because I want to point out that there are some inconsistencies when you look into this case. Some of them seem small and harmless like this one. Okay, where she was arrested, is that such a big deal? Honestly, in the grand scheme of things, it's not. But there's some other inconsistencies in this case that come up. On another AJC article that I found through Reddit, it details that Ms. Bowie had actually been indicted on the charges from that June 20th day. One of the charges being possession with intent to distribute. Now, in that AJC article, her lawyer states that he was completely unaware of this indictment and he believed the police had no case. I mean, Miss Bowie was not in the car at the time of the search, nor did she have possession of the car at that time. And this is one of those tidbits of information that's inconsistent because no other site, no other article mentions this whatsoever. And this is huge. Monica being indicted would add fire to a couple different theories. It would be such a big heavy hitting power play to a couple of theories along with this case but the AJC article is the only place you see that written every other place just talks about how she was arrested and immediately let go and again sometimes little inconsistencies like that don't really mean anything but sometimes those inconsistencies completely change the whole outlook of the case now this June 20th arrest was the only arrest Monica has ever had in her life. She had no criminal history, was not known to be a troublemaker. She didn't have run-ins with the police. Now Rico, on the other hand, he had a criminal history and 
He was actually out on parole at the time of his arrest from a drug-related charge from a couple years prior. Now, due to being on parole, Rico remained jailed on those June 20th charges, though Monica was able to be released pretty quickly. Now, he remained in jail because having possession of a firearm with a felony while on probation was a huge violation of his parole. So with that said, on the day of Monica's abduction, Rico was still in jail. He was not out and about. He's not considered a suspect in Monica's disappearance. And while it's not believed that Rico was directly involved in Monica's kidnapping by law enforcement, there's still some question on whether her kidnapping had anything to do with him or his affiliations and past crimes. Till this day, Police don't really know the nature or connection between Monica and Kiels. But what we know is that Kiels and Rico, they had a connection. Now, don't get me wrong. It's never even slightly suggested that they were good friends or good buddies. What is suggested when reading between the lines is that they were both involved in the same type of illegal activities and they were aware of each other and they were aware of each other's reputations. Now, Kiels, he was eventually also charged with a kidnapping charge for Monica Bowie that was issued in September 2007, but this charge was later dismissed. Earlier articles mentioned that the police definitely believe he was connected to the kidnapping of Monica, but they did not have sufficient enough evidence to substantiate their suspicions. I wasn't really able to bring up more detail about this particular charge. Only thing I found was that he was released on a cash bond for this and the charge was eventually dismissed. Now again, police, like most people who have heard of this case, do not believe Monica's kidnapping was random. Police actually believe that her kidnapping had something to do with illegal drug activity. Police have never straightforward came out and said they believe Monica was involved in drug dealing or anything of the sorts. More like the men in her life, her first fiance, her second fiance, they had some ties to some illegal drug activity and Monica may have been collateral damage. Earlier article states that families Bowie did not believe Rico had anything to do with her kidnapping. But on that TV One episode of Find Our Missing, it seems her mother may not be all the way sure. She did not say she believed he was directly involved, but she did say she was still suspicious of everyone. The mother talked about a conversation she had with Rico, and she said he looked her in her eyes and said he did not do anything to her daughter. He did not know anything about what happened to her daughter. Her reply was, I don't believe you. It is believed that Monica is deceased. Though her body has never been found, nor has anyone ever been charged with her death. It seems police have a theory of what happened, but they're missing the evidence they need to bring forth the proper charges against those involved in this tragedy. Monica's family has a Facebook page that was very active in its prime, it seems like it was last active in 2012. If you go to the page, the page is filled with comments from loved ones and former schoolmates and all type of community members. 
In fact, it appears that at one point in time, Monica was a drill coach and she had former students come and write comments about how awesome she was. And the page was even able to gain support of a popular Atlanta radio station. They would make mentions of Monica's disappearance. The page also kept people up to date with things such as the Find Our Missing episode, what time it would be, where you could watch it, how to repost it so others could hear about this story. Her family was very proactive in her case. I mean, besides the Facebook page, they also had a MySpace page. And you have to remember, this was 2007. MySpace was still relevant. They held vigils and they made the rounds to any news stations that would allow them in. It seems she also had some friends and family members that went on missing person forums, such as web sleuths, keeping people updated with what was going on in the case, any new leads and suspicions. At the time of her disappearance, Monica's mother is stated to believe police were doing as much as they could, but she couldn't help but notice the lack of exposure. Local news stations, they reported on Monica's disappearance initially, but they didn't really provide much follow-up. In that same Creative Loafing article, they point out how Atlanta had a missing persons case not too long before Monica went missing, and the way the media covered it was dramatically different. We're talking about the 2005 Jennifer Wilbanks case. Jennifer Wilbanks, also known as the runaway bride. So essentially what happened is Jennifer ran away from home trying to escape her upcoming wedding to her fiance. This case created a media circus. I mean, people automatically accused her fiance of killing her and soon she had a call and she made up some crazy lie about how she was abducted and assaulted by a Hispanic male and a white woman. She even had great details about how they sexually assaulted her and the different things they made her do. Just for all this to be a lie. And even once it was found out that she was lying and her lies were exposed all over the media, the media kept reporting on this case. You can find articles every year since 2005 about this woman and about this case. And not just articles going over the case saying, oh, remember when this thing happened? No, you're finding articles where they're like, what is she up to now? Is she currently engaged? Who is she dating? The fiance get remarried? Just keeping up with these people's lives. People Magazine did an article following up on this woman's life. In that same 2001 article, they have an officer being quoted as saying, and the big picture, who did it really hurt? Her and her family. I hope they're in a better place than they were back then. This is what a police officer said about this case. Who did it really hurt? Well, it hurt the people who actually needed the media coverage. It hurt the people that actually need the police's manpower solving other cases. There was a lot of financial resources put into looking for this woman who simply ran away because she didn't have it in her to tell her fiance she didn't want to get married. So who did it hurt? A lot of people. There were missing people in the metro Atlanta area in 2005 around that time whose case did not get covered like hers who did not get the same amount of manpower her case got, 
who's the police department did not spend that type of money on. There were lots of cases that we probably could have solved if media focused on them and put out stories and articles about them every year. So again, it hurt a lot of people. This case is brought up to bring up the difference of how Monica's case was treated. We have a woman who has been kidnapped in front of witnesses. There is a crime scene where there's obvious struggle. She has broken fingernails on the floor. People saw the car, they got the license plate number, but the car is found the very next day, completely burned. Why wasn't the story covered? If this was on an ad for Lifetime, there would be a whole social media hashtag campaign talking about how people couldn't wait to see it. But this is real life. After the initial coverage, media interest just dwindled. And what was the difference between these cases? Well, Monica was a black woman. Will Banks is a white woman. Monica was recently arrested before she disappeared. And Will Banks, well, before she got exposed for her lie, at that point in time, she didn't have any arrest record. Monica was also a stripper for a brief period of time. And again, that's something you'll see almost in every article about her. Ultimately, those type of factors seem to have worked against her. Despite the fact her case called for urgency, despite the fact that her case was something that people needed to hear about, that people needed to know, that needed to be brought up in case anyone is willing to come forward. And this is particularly frustrating because it's something we see time and time again. The media likes to decide which victims are worthy victims and which victims are not. Sometimes your worthiness is dependent by age. The younger you are, the more vulnerable you are. A lot of the times it's dependent on how white your skin is. Now, when wealth is added to the story, oh, and you sprinkle on some scandal, oh, that is what's going to get big news. That is the victim the media wants you to hear about. But the victims with darker skin, even if only slightly, the victims who were not rich, the victim who has a felonious lover, yeah, the media doesn't want to focus on them. And if anything, they tend to really heavily focus on negative traits of the victim. Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's, oh, this poor victim. We need help finding her because, you know, she uh, ran with a bad crowd. You know, she liked those bad boys. But yes, let's find her. And sometimes it's more obvious and blaring. The first start of the paragraph would be Susie Sue, a stripper from Montana, is missing. Friends and family do not know where she can be. She is known as being a chronic user of heroin. Dot, 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 dot. These are some of the tricks the media uses to shape the frame of what we care about, of what the public gets to see, and what the public should obsess over. And unfortunately, it leaves so many people without justice because no one even knows their story. There's people out there who could help so many cases, but they didn't know that the information they had was a part of the case. Didn't know it was needed because they never heard of the case. This is why exposure is so important. But I digress. 
we're going to get back to the story. So Monica's mother, she has actively worked this case. She has actively attempted to keep Monica's name in the news. She actually even went to the CNN headquarters here in Atlanta, trying to get anyone to cover it, but she said she didn't even make it past the elevator doors. Now, police have largely remained focused on there being a drug connection to Monica's disappearance. When you look on the comment section of a lot of videos or articles on this particular case, you'll see there's a lot of people that are mad and believe that the police are focusing too heavy and are too narrow-minded when it comes to the reasons Monica was kidnapped. There's a lot of people who believe the police are focusing too heavily on the drug side and I believe that this is racially biased and I just want to say I I want to put another perspective on it okay let's go back through the facts Monica was heard screaming from help she was thrown into a maroon car the car was found on fire the next day the car was reported stolen by its owner but the owner knew who had it the person who had it was Kills and Kills had a history of distributing narcotics. Kills was an acquaintance of Monica's fiance, who also had a history of distributing narcotics. And in fact, we will find out later on, he continues to be involved in illegal activities with drugs. He was actually arrested in 2012 on a drug and money laundering ring in which the FBI actually had to step in for, which leads a lot of us to believe he was probably still dealing drugs at the time him and Monica were connected. Rico and another man in Monica's life, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, both were involved in huge either money laundering or drug related schemes. Both we're talking millions of dollars here. This is no small time D-boy on the block type stuff. No, we're talking about real money. And just a couple weeks before her kidnapping, she was arrested. Monica had no criminal history. She was arrested. And her arrest actually included drug charges because of the weed that was found in her car. Someone who's not into the street life, who's not used to the street life, they caught a charge for the very first time. This is a person who's successful, has their own businesses and money, and now they are involved in the legal system. For something they didn't do, is it possible someone was scared she might have taken a deal for information she may have known, for something that she may have seen? We don't know, but I say that to say, for the police not to heavily look into the drug connection would be a disservice to this case. With the information that we have, the kidnapping drug-related theories are not just conspiracies pulled out of thin air. If anything, they sound like educated guesses based on the facts. And I want to put this in there because you will see a lot of people griping about the police's focus on the possible drug connection. It does appear that these people may have known Monica personally, so I can understand why that can be frustrating 
if you knew her personally and you're like no she wasn't involved with this and honestly i don't see a lot of people thinking she was involved more so that she was involved with people who were involved with drugs and big illegal schemes and us talking about the possibility of drug relation and the police talk about possibility of drug relation is realistic and it's relevant and unfortunately it makes the most sense to ignore it would be a giant fumble now heading back to that tv one episode i was talking about one thing i found particularly interesting is that we find out about this man named mark now who is mark mark was monica's previous fiance so when monica worked as an exotic dancer to help her make money to start up her business she met a realtor he realized she had an accounting degree and hired her to do some accounting work for him now eventually the two became engaged and according to loved ones she began heavily focusing on her businesses and as she focused on her businesses her relationship began to struggle and her and mark separated now mark isn't really written up in any other article i have not seen anything about him other than in that tv one episode now it is said that they were engaged in 2005 and what we find out is he was also involved in some shady stuff during their engagement according to that episode mark had been involved in a multi-million dollar scheme now no one really goes into further detail so i don't know what became of that scheme if it was a big bust if he was arrested if other people were involved it's not really said it's just said that you know he was involved in this big multi-million dollar scheme and it was a pretty big deal now when him and monica separated it does not seem that they left on bad terms and in the same episode we find that her family was contacted by the Vincent sisters. The Vincent sisters is a psychic team that states they help police solve crimes and that they help solve multiple crimes already. Her mother states she actually believes that these two sisters gave her really good information that they shouldn't have known otherwise. The psychic states on the episode that Monica knew her attackers and that when they popped out the car, she knew exactly what that meant when she saw them. They said it was a very violent struggle, but it doesn't appear that they ever actually gave a definite statement on what they believe happened exactly, or at least not on that show. They actually have segments of this episode listed on their YouTube channel. They have two posted actually. And in the comments, people have mentioned that they believe Monica's choice of men put her in harm's way. The Vincent sisters seems to like these comments and they even replied to one that yeah they agree that's what they believe happened but nothing else is really given there's no other information there's no details there's no why there's no this is where she is this is how it happened type of thing and unfortunately the information that they gave was all information that everybody pretty much concluded on their own it was already the running theory by the time this episode aired the one thing they did say that was a little more specific is that her attackers attacked her because they believe she had some sort of information that she actually did not have. They wanted her to give them that information, but she was not privy to that knowledge. 
Other than that, their prediction, at least what was shown on the episode, is pretty much just the conclusion that everybody else have said on web sleuths and Reddit, if we're being honest. Another tidbit I found interesting, another tidbit I found interesting was found on web sleuths. So there's an eight page long thread on this case. And in this thread, it appears family and friends are active writers. And on page seven, it's mentioned that a friend of Monica had Monica's belongings stored. And this friend kind of gave the family a runaround about getting her belongings. Initially, it said that this person had the belongings and they said, yeah, I'll meet with you guys. You guys can, I can open up the storage. You guys can get her things. But then the guy goes silent. No one hears from him. He's not answering phone calls. He's not picking up. He's not replying to anyone. And then when he finally did, he was very calm and nice about it. He gave an explanation of that. He was just a very busy person. He had multiple businesses. He apologized and said, okay, you know what? I'm going to give you guys the key to the storage unit and I'll let you guys know where it is. But then he disappeared again and no one could hear from him. Nobody knew where he was. And for a long time, he didn't even tell people what storage facility it was. Eventually, it's found out that her items were stored in a pod unit. And what we actually find out is that her pod was actually in New Orleans, which is completely different than what they were told. This friend told them that the pod was in Atlanta. But no, the pod was in New Orleans. And luckily, Monica's name was actually listed on their contract. And by this time, Monica's mother was made her power of attorney. So she was able to call the storage company and try to track down her daughter's items. But unfortunately, what we find out is that these items were stored in Louisiana in 2005. And because of Hurricane Katrina, a lot of storage units got moved and a lot of them got lost. Monica's was one of the ones that got lost and the last update that this particular friend gave on that thread was that they were still in the midst of trying to find that pod unit that family member or friend did say however they actually believed that unit would be found empty but there was never a further update one thing I'm curious about is who is this friend that agreed to store all of her belongings because they never say who they just say a friend but they use male pronouns so this leads me to wonder was this friend that was giving her family the runaround and lying about where the unit was was this her ex-fiance mark now the reason i bring this up is because this unit got relocated because of hurricane katrina and then it kind of got lost in the system after that Hurricane Katrina happened in 2005. Monica disappeared in 2007. In 2005, she was engaged to that Mark guy. And we know that the storage unit had two people's names on it, the friend and Monica's. And usually with something like a storage unit, storing belongings and stuff like that, that's something you go in on with a partner. The family member never confirms who this friend is, but to me, it kind of sounds like it's her ex-partner that gave them a runaround. And remember, he too has a suspicious background and he too is involved in some super shady stuff. It leaves one to wonder. First, let's get to the theories. First theory is Monica was collateral damage to some type of illegal activities conducted by 
either Rico or Mark. This is going to be the main theory that you hear. It seems like this is also the theory the police have, but they've never officially said. Monica was a beautiful woman. She was a go-getter. Everyone describes her as smart. Everyone describes her as loving. But unfortunately, it seems like she had a tendency to fall in love with men with a very sketchy past. And the sketchiness just didn't stop in the past. They continue to carry that with them. And when you're involved with sketchy dealings, understand severe consequences come with that. When Monica was arrested in June of 2007, she had to hire a lawyer. Now, we know that one article said that she was actually indicted, but her lawyer state said he knew nothing about that indictment, and I can't find any other article that says that she was indicted. But if she was indicted, would that be enough to spook someone in one of these men's circle? Were they concerned that maybe Monica knew too much information and she was a middle-class girl who did not have any criminal record. She wasn't a street girl. She wasn't hood or anything like that. She may have known street code, but it wasn't like it was something that she was brought up in. Was someone scared that she was going to take a plea to save herself? Here's the thing. Many wonder, did the police meet with her? And was like, hey, you know what? This little felony, we can make that go away. I know you used to date Mark. You know, he had that multi-million dollar scam going on. Let's say you talk to us about what you know. We'll talk to the prosecutor and see what we can have dropped for you. Or possibly Rigo. Is it possible someone thought, look, Rigo's girl now got a charge. She has a lawyer. She might have seen some stuff. She might know some stuff. Somebody needs to handle that. Now, of course, these are all speculations, but this is the main theory you are going to hear that it's possible Monica knew more than family might have expected about some of the things that one or both of these men were doing. And unfortunately, this made her collateral damage to their lifestyle. But as of yet, there's no clear-cut indication that she had a deal. No one has ever came out and said Monica had a deal. She was working on one. Her lawyer says, as far as he knew, she was never indicted. So this is one of the bumps in this theory that her lawyer pretty much thought this was going to be an open and shut case that he nor Monica were worried about it. He nor Monica thought this case was going to be a big deal or this was ever going to go on her record because she was not there at the time of the crime. She was not there at the time of the crime. She was not in possession of any of the items. So that is also another hole in the case of, well, why go after her if it seems like her case is going to be closed and she wouldn't have to testify. She wouldn't have to make a deal. But we're not even aware if people knew that. This is probably the strongest case you'll hear, but this one too has its flaws. The second theory you might come across is that Monica was stealing from one or both of these men and possibly of some of her clients. So this theory I saw mentioned under a YouTube comment and then I googled some more and I saw it in another place where people were thinking that people were wondering if it's possible that since Monica was in accounting and was handling a lot of people's money, is it possible that she may have been skimming? some people and someone found out 
some of the things I read was that this theory came from the fact that she made a success of herself relatively quickly in Atlanta, that she was living in a really nice area in Atlanta, in a really in a luxury apartment, and the fact that um, she dealt with some sketchy people. It sounds like she may have some sketchy connections, but this just seems to be thrown out of there with no real reason. Um, it seems to just be thrown out of there because uh, some of the people involved in this case are sketchy and because that, unfortunately, that's a thing that accountants get caught up in a lot. Accountants skimming off the top with their business, with businesses they are helping, but there is absolutely nothing to indicate this with Monica. There is nothing whatsoever that indicates this. Her and her ex seem to have ended on good terms. And at the time of the taping of that Find the Missing episode, the family didn't seem to have any issues with him. And the same with the boyfriend. At the time, they were living together. He was driving her car. I really feel like it was a situation where what's mine is yours. So I don't think she was skimming from him in regards to her clients i feel like this would have been brought up by police already but there's nothing to really indicate this this just seemed like a theory that's just thrown out there to be thrown out there theory three her businesses were laundering fronts the rest triggered a chain of events leading to her disappearance essentially this theory is that those two businesses that she had those were just bis shell businesses created to hide the money that was being laundered. This one, it really seems like it goes into her ex-fiance. Does it seem he was involved in a money laundering scheme? But as I stated earlier, her fiance at the time of her disappearance, Rico, he would go on to be involved in a money laundering scheme for which he is arrested. So it appears that this theory, it goes back to her arrest, triggering a chain of events of people being scared that she might be questioned about some illegal dealings that may have been involved with any of her businesses. And the reason why a lot of these theories go back to her arrest is because the day that she was kidnapped, she had just spoke with her lawyer about that case. I think people believe that's more than coincidental. Uh, there's a possibility. There's also a possibility that just randomly happened to be the day they decided to stake out her place. Now, with this theory, again, we we have both men who are eventually involved in money laundering. So this is not far out there. But the way I see it is at the time of her disappearance, she was not involved with her ex. He was the one that was currently involved in a money laundering scheme. She wasn't involved with him. Also, it stated that once her businesses grew, that's when her relationship started to take a dive. If that's the case, then that makes no sense because the business would be growing because he's putting illegal money in there so it can look clean. So that just doesn't match up with the information that we have for family and friends. In regards to the other boyfriend, we have no evidence to show that he was laundering money at that time. It seems like that might have been something he got into later. Also, the, his particular case, that 2012 case, it's also involving drugs. So he was more involved in a drug part. This is a theory. This is a theory that kind of makes you pause and think. We do have some money laundering things going on. But again, this is one of those things I would think police would have looked into 
um, they were already actively in the case of her ex-boyfriend of his money laundering but I just think we would hear more mentions from official sources kind of tying that in but we don't we don't hear that at all and also we need to remember Monica was a smart woman she was an established woman there's no need to say or infer that you know yes she had two successful businesses because money was being laundered or anything like that again it's just one of those theories that was interesting but I don't really know if I can make heads or tails of that one whatsoever and again I want to be clear that while we're discussing these theories we are not at all trying to vilify Monica Monica seems like an absolutely amazing person who could have done anything she ever wanted but on my show we discuss the theories because we want to see what people are thinking what other ideas are there out there so it's very important that we go through the different theories i do feel the need to stress that especially in this case because this case and i've seen it in multiple cases but this case in particular i see a lot of people in comments and threads who get very very sensitive when people talk about the drug theory that talk about some of the theories that involve shiftiness and stuff like that and it's it's always important that we do not let cognitive dissonance get in the way of justice so that's all i'm gonna say on that now i will say that there have been a couple of jane does that people over the years have wondered if they were monica the first jane doe was found in elmore county alabama and someone on a Reddit thread brought up that this Jane Doe found in July 2007 looks a lot like Monica. I will have this picture posted on Instagram. I will have a link to it posted on the blog. They, the sketch looks almost exactly like Monica, but there's a couple things that are off. One is that there's no mention of braces and Monica had braces at the time that she disappeared but there's no mention of it at all on her profile. Now, another thing that people were concerned about was that this Jane Doe was found mid-July. Monica was kidnapped beginning of July, and this body was heavily decomposed, and many users did not believe her body would be this decomposed if it had only been like two weeks. And that's a valid point, but another thing we need to keep in mind is that her body was found outside, left to the elements in Alabama heat in the middle of July. Heat does speed up the rate of decomposition. Now, how much? I'm not exactly sure, but it definitely does speed it up. So that one is still a possibility. It's not um, exact other than the sketch looking the same. That's really the biggest thing leading people to believe that that one is possibly Monica and I believe that one has already been called in another Jane Doe was actually found as well in December of 2007 in Trope County Georgia now this Jane Doe had no distinct details this Jane Doe was cut into eight pieces with the head hands and feet missing so while there's no defining marks one thing that we found about this Jane Doe one it was also in Georgia also is reported that this Jane Doe appeared to be doused in gasoline and set on fire at some point in time. And we have to remember that car was found completely burnt. 
took Chris the very next day. So that is definitely one that everyone was like, ah, this might be it. And it is suspected that that Jane Doe is a African-American female. Now, this Jane Doe was called in and they submitted the information. Apparently, the person who was handling that case said that they had never heard of Monica's case and they were going to look into it. This was just posted last year in 2020. Sometimes confirming these does can take up to 24 months. So it's just something that we can, if you're interested in a case, be on the lookout about. As of right now, we have no idea what happened to Monica. We have no idea where Monica is. What we do know is that she has a devoted family that miss her and want answers. And I hope they are provided with those answers soon. If you have any information pertaining to the disappearance of Monica Bowie, I ask that you reach out to the DeKalb County Police Department at 770-724-7850. That is their homicide and assault unit. That is the number that they get on their website to call. You can also report to the GBI tip line. Their number is 8-1-800-597-8477. Or you can go online to their website and they have an online forum where you can submit information that way as well. So that is all I have for this case. We are hoping to find the truth of what happened to Monica. We want to make sure that she is given the justice that she deserves and that whoever kidnapped her and whoever possibly harmed her, that they will be brought to justice soon. Now, as always, ask you guys be safe, be vigilant. Guys, you have a good one. Yeah, I'll have a new episode Sunday. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.